Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Got a really good Figured Out Baseball podcast today in our series that we call the Real Dirt Podcasts, where we get our hands dirty in one particular topic, a topic that will interest maybe a, a very specific type of audience, but with that audience and with this topic, we want to kind of uncover everything we can in that topic. And today we're lucky enough to be joined by Mark Marizaldi. He's the head coach at Seton Hill University, a Division II school in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, just a, a tremendously successful Division II program that was once an NAIA program when it when it began. Um, I don't know if we'll get into that today or not, but Coach Maz started the program. Uh, he's been with the been with the team uh, since the very beginning. I believe he's got 17 seasons under his belt at Seton Hill. He's got a a career record at Seton Hill of 610 wins and 316 losses. Just absolutely incredible. Their 2021 season, they're coming off the season where they went 39-8 and overall and, and advanced to the NCAA Division II World Series. Uh, just a, 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 a program that uh, has been successful almost from the very beginning. And, and what I want to talk about today, the topic we're, we're getting into today in this Real Dirt podcast, is the Division II experience. And I think this is an important topic to cover because so many – student athletes out there as they're coming up through high school it's it's d1 or bus d1 or bus d1 or bus and they don't they feel like they're settling if they go to any other level and i and i don't think that enough kids open themselves up to the experience that they're going to have and and some division one experiences are great some aren't very good what we're here to talk about today is is outside of that at division two what is the division two experience like and i just kind of want to open that up to people so that hopefully kids that are listening to this, families listening to this, can make a great decision uh, in the recruiting process based on some some actual factual information that we're going to give them today. So, so Coach Maz, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to getting into this one with you. Wow, thank you for that introduction, Jeff. Um, I feel like I finally have made it, um, making the list of Figure It Out Baseball podcasts. Um, <laughs> I, I have to start this by saying thank you to you, not just for the opportunity to be here and talk to you today. Um, but for giving me a chance to get in on the ground level with Figure It Out Baseball, I know um, our coaching staff was a few of the first guys that you invited to do some videos uh, for FIO. We were very uh, excited and, and kind of privileged to uh, to do that right from the beginning, the grassroots of, of this whole initiative. Um, the fact that you know you have this platform for free now is just absolutely fantastic. So I was glad to uh, to have some videos up there, and, and now I've finally graduated up to the podcast level and i'm really excited to talk to you today it's the big time man yeah if you haven't checked out coach mass's videos i believe there are four coaches right now from seton hill who have video on the website uh, and and they cover a little bit of everything i certainly would encourage you to watch those videos our videos are available on the on the website the figured out baseball website obviously and also on youtube our podcast you can find on a bunch of different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, in addition to the website. Um, so I hope you'll check those out if you haven't before. But Coach Maz, to get into this at the very beginning, um, talking about the D2 experience, you obviously just came off a phenomenal season, finishing 39-8, and advancing to the College World Series, the Division II College World Series. Um, and you had a really big senior class last year, and, I, and I'm assuming, I don't know this, but I'm assuming that you do exit meetings with your guys. Can you tell us a little bit, just to, to begin to scratch the surface of what the experience is like, can you talk about maybe some of the individual conversations you had with players who, who finished their careers last year, 
had so much success with you guys, obviously went through the 2020 COVID season, but then culminated last year with, um, you know, going to the World Series, which is no small feat. I don't care what level you're at. Can you kind of talk about some of the exit meetings and maybe if one or two in particular stand out to you, like any guys that, that just maybe in their exit meeting sort of summarize what the Division II experience, what the Seton Hill experience was for them and for a lot of players that you have in your program? Yeah, I think to uh, to understand and appreciate the Division II experience, uh, at least here at Seton Hill and how we try to provide that for our student-athletes, um, you have to kind of know where we've come from. Uh, my own personal background, I have literally been at every level of, of uh, collegiate baseball, uh, played Division One at Duquesne, uh, like you did. Um, and after that, I had an opportunity to be a pitching coach at a Division Three school for two years, um, and then moved on here to Seton Hill. And when we started the program, you mentioned we were NAIA uh, for, for three years, and then we transitioned to Division Two um, in, in the year 2008. So uh, as a player, as an assistant coach at the Division One level, as an assistant at the Division Three, and as a head coach at NAIA Division Two, I feel like uh, I have a very well-rounded um, appreciation for each level of of collegiate baseball and of course they all have their differences and some similarities too so what we're trying to provide here for uh our our players at seton hill is in fact a division one experience um we try to explain it to them that you will have a division one experience in terms of the things that we can control um but we just happen to play in a division two conference um and a lot of that just comes from my own personal background as a player and before I took the job here at Seton Hill as a, you know, the assistant coach at Duquesne. So I, I kind of uh, just really only knew how to operate um, things at, at the highest level of collegiate baseball, and that's what we're trying to do here at Seton Hill. Of course, you know, the, the differences for us uh, from Division One would be scholarships and maybe facilities and you know some of those little higher level things. Um, but again, the things that we can control and you know, the uh, resources and investments that we put into our athletes personally um, is as good as you'll find at any institution at any level. So you mentioned about the exit meetings that uh, we had with our players at the end of last year. Um, you know, to, to kind of, I guess, build upon us trying to provide a Division One experience, three of our seniors that graduated last year had uh, – you know, they all had a, a fifth year to play because of COVID. Um, our center fielder is now um, playing at Liberty. Our number one pitcher is going to be in the rotation at Rutgers. And one of our top bullpen guys is going to be a top reliever at Radford. So, um, you know, I think it goes without saying, seeing how our guys have moved on from here to, uh, as grad transfers at other schools, they're playing at a high level. Um, and, they're, and they're going to be impactful at that Division One level. Uh, two years ago, uh, 2020, the year of COVID, um, one of our starting pitchers, Pat Bonaverdi, uh, another kid who had finished his degree here and had a fifth year, he moved on and ended up being the top, uh, the top arm at Texas Tech and was an eighth round pick. So, um, I feel very confident, you know, conveying to recruits like we are, we are providing a Division One experience here for our players. We are developing them at the same level, if not maybe higher than some Division One programs. Um, we are just subject to playing the opponents that uh, are on our schedule and their division two opponents. Um, so I, 
you know, our, our exit meetings, I think, are a little bit different with our seniors, actually. Um, when our season is over, we uh, I, I sit down with our entire graduating senior group as a group. Um, we go out to dinner, um, spend a, a few hours together, and it's really uh, the opposite of what all of their meetings have been during their career. Most of those individual meetings that we do with our players uh, throughout their career is a lot of feedback, uh, trying to guide them, trying to encourage them, point out strengths and weaknesses, trying to help them map out a plan for daily improvement, um, talk to them about you know how their classes are going, personal life, all those all those things that um, are really valuable in a conversation one-on-one with their players. But as our seniors graduate, it's the opposite. I, I like to turn the tables and give them the floor to give us a lot of feedback, tell us what they liked, what they didn't like during their experience uh, four years here at Seton Hill. Um, and it, it, it's incredible um, how invested they are um, you know, th- those meetings with our seniors at the end of their career, they say, coach, I want to see this guy succeed, or I want to see the program, you know, go a little bit further next year. Um, and even now, you know, um, now that those seniors have moved on, I hear from those guys all the time. They're, they're always saying, Hey, how's fall ball going? How's this guy doing? And that's just so gratifying to hear as a coach, you know, that, uh, those kids are invested well beyond their four years here. Um, we have an incredible alumni base, um, you know, one of the things that makes me most proud, more proud than the wins and losses is our alumni weekend every year. Um, I had 75 alumni at my house uh, the last weekend in September for a get-together, um, and that was the night before our golf outing, which had, uh, you know, 120 golfers at it. So I think when you talk about the Division II experience, when you see how invested your alumni are after they leave here, that tells you, um, how much they valued and appreciated their experience while they were here. And, and to me, that's that's the feedback that I'm looking for. You know, how connected to the program and how, how uh, you know, how interested are our alumni after they leave here. Um, that, that just tells you they were fully invested while they're here and they're going to continue to be invested after they leave. I love those the idea of that exit meeting, and that's why I wanted to ask you about that. I I didn't we hadn't talked about that before, but I, you know, I, I think that this the exit meetings when guys graduate are typically a little bit different, and I I was interested to hear kind of how um how they went for you, and and, and I think one of the things I, one of the reasons I wanted to ask you that is because I, I I believe that at the end of their experience at Seton Hill, these guys, it's totally the opposite of of before they came. You know when when and I say that like, you know, when guys are coming out of high school, it's they're thinking to themselves, you know, they're 15, 16, like D1, D1, D1. Then they end up at Seton Hill and they have a great experience. And at the end of it, they're not like, man, I really regret coming here. You know, it's it's just the opposite. Like, wow, I had a really great experience. Like, I loved every minute of this, it, you know, being on a, a winning team with this kind of success. It, it was great. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and I'm sure that there's a lot of that happening at the exit meetings. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask about those a little bit. Um, you you well, mentioned. I think there's two things, if I can jump in real quick. Yeah, Jeff. Like one of the things we try to address in the recruiting process is full transparency. Like when a kid comes to visit Seton Hill, um, we are going to lay out every single detail of what his experience is going to be. Uh, from the day he steps on campus till the day he graduates. So, um, I mean, we go into full detail as far as the academics, what our daily development plan is based on what position he plays, our weight training program, our nutrition program, 
I mean, it is fully laid out. And I feel obligated to do that as a coach. Um, when you look at the transfer transfer portal and what that has become, uh, it's insane, you know, that, that, that how much transferring is going on. And that's a tough thing for an 18, 20-year-old kid. You know, the biggest decision of their lives, and we see this on social media, is picking their college. Um, so when they make that choice and realize, you know, a couple of months or, or a year into that college experience that it was the wrong choice because things aren't what they thought they would be, um, that's just unfortunate, you know, for a college student athlete. And a lot of times that happens because maybe they made a hasty decision or maybe they didn't have all the information they needed to know exactly how that experience was going to be at that school. So, um, we, you know, when a kid comes to visit, we will be full disclosure, full transparency. This is exactly what your experience is going to be like here. Um, if, if the recruit, you know, loves it, thinks it's a match, great. If a recruit hears some things and, 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 and it's just not a match and they're not interested, that's, that's a great thing too because now that kid knows, you know, Seton Hill's not a good fit and that's okay. Um, I would rather that happen than a kid come here for a year and say, wow, coach, you know, this isn't really what you thought, what you told me it would be. So we avoid that at all costs for our benefit and also for the benefit of the recruit. Um, the second part of it too um, this is just, a, a, I guess, uh, a value that we have here at Seton Hill. We want their experience here to be transformational as opposed to transactional. Um, I think uh, a, a transformational experience to come to play college baseball for years is, is uh, a little bit holistic, right? It's not about just, hey, we're going to try to get you drafted. It's about we're going to develop you mentally. We're going to be very invested in how you do academically, um, we are going to be very invested in, you know, having your four years here lead to a good job and a good career. We want to help with that. We want to get out in the community. We want to expand your, uh, your exposure to diverse cultures. Um, I, I mean, we want, we want kids to be transformed, transformed in some way after their time here at Seton Hill. Um, there are some recruits that, that are not really interested in that. They're looking for more of a transactional and that's totally okay. Like, they don't care about all of those exterior things. They just want to come in and, you know, what can I get out of this experience? Can I get some scholarship money? Can I, can, am I, am I going to have a chance to play? Um, they're just interested in that transaction. What can they get out of it? And, and again, that's not right or wrong. Every kid is a little bit different what they're looking for. Um, but that is one thing I think that we are able to provide here at Seton Hill. And I think a lot of smaller colleges, Division Two and Division Three are really focused on that transformational experience. Um, the whole list, you know, giving them an experience beyond just what happens between the lines on the baseball field. Love that. And with the transfer portal being as full as it is, it's very apparent that there are a lot of unhappy kids after a year or two. And that can be for a lot of reasons. It's not like those programs aren't doing their job, but you know, a lot of times a guy goes in and doesn't, doesn't see an opportunity to start there in a year or two. And that's a, a really important thing for me. He wants to go somewhere else. And sometimes you can understand that. Um, so I'm going to, to kind of stay on that for a minute. Do you, do you end up with a lot of guys transferring out of the program? I know, I know you have, uh, you have some four-year guys, guys transferring from other four-year schools into your program. Um, can I ask that? Is that a, a fair question to ask is how many guys you've had transfer out of Seton Hill or, or maybe just, you know, how many you average, you know, per year for your roster? 
Yeah, most certainly. And I think that's a question that recruits and parents often ask, you know, is what is the retention rate? Now, for us here at Seton Hill, it is a little bit more challenging because we have a large roster. Um, as an enrollment-driven school, um, you know, uh, we're, we're encouraged to carry a roster of about 50 players. Um, we also provide some additional opportunities through a lot of JV games. Um, so with a bigger roster, it's a little bit tougher. But we've lost four players from our roster in the last four years. Um, two of them were uh, older players that uh, were kind of behind some some other kids that were ahead of them. They were looking for better opportunities playing time-wise late in their career. Um, unfortunately, we had another player leave because of financial reasons related to COVID. Um, and we had another player uh, transfer two years ago uh, because he changed his major to something that we didn't offer. So I think losing four players in four years for a roster our size is pretty fantastic. Um, and again, you know, sometimes when a kid comes to college over the course of four years, everything changes for those kids. Maybe their career goals, their family financial situation, um, what's important to them. You know, sometimes I think for us here at Seton Hill, one of the challenges we have is kids are attracted to our school and our baseball program because, uh, quite frankly, we've been very successful, and, and that obviously attracts kids. Um, but I think once they get here, uh, not just here at Seton Hill, but any college team, they realize how incredibly competitive it is just to get on the field. Um, and, and, and maybe they realize, you know, they were attracted to the success of the program, but it wasn't quite the right level uh, for them to have the best opportunity to play. So, um, but no, I, you know, I, Again, I think our retention being as high as it is is because of what we invest in the kids' experience every day on our campus. Those numbers are unbelievable. It doesn't matter what level you're at. Like, that's that's one of the best retention rates that you'll find because just sometimes kids are just naturally – it's not going to be a fit for one way, one reason or another and just things aren't going to work out. But that's those are really incredible numbers. Um, let's just stick on transfers for another minute. You've had four-year – other guys that have transferred from four-year – schools into your program you know guys that that were at division one programs that came into division two and and not even just to keep you know pumping seat hill but can you just talk a little bit about um you know what what experience was like for that guy i'm sure there's like a for players that go down a level that if you can say that if they transfer you know from a division one to a division two there's probably a bit of humility there i would imagine there's probably maybe even a little bit of you know uh just a, a guy really having to check his ego, but when it's, when it's done, when their when their career is over and they're leaving, can you kind of talk maybe specifically about some guys that you've had and maybe any conversations you've had with a guy that said, this is, this was kind of my experience, um, you know, going from a division one school to Seton Hill and, and, and whether or not it, it was, I, I guess as much of a step down as maybe mentally they thought it was going to be, or if it was, you know, something else. Do, do you have any of those conversations with guys that you can recall, Mass? Yeah, most certainly. That's for us, you know, obviously we're trying to, you know, we're trying to recruit a division one caliber player. Somebody projects with that skill set. Um, we, we had two, uh, two guys that, that came into our program in the last two years, power five programs. Um, and they're coming, you know, from a school with 35,000 people at a, you know, 10,000-seat stadium to our campus that has 1,800 kids. So that that is without a doubt the most uh, cons uh, concerning thing. The, the biggest thing we have to be concerned with as coaches is what is that transition going to be like for that, for that player? Are they walking in here with a little bit uh, too high of expectations? Um, is it kind of like coming in with that? 
maybe egotistical Division One mentality. Um, and, and we just have to be really careful. Again, the portal's enormous. There's so many kids out there that Division One talent is very attractive for Division Two teams, but they absolutely have to be the right fit for us. Um, and I, I think being just straightforward and truthful with, with those players that are coming from the Division One level down to Division Two, just being, you know, letting them know, like, we're not recruiting you to, to come in here and start. Like, you have to earn it here, just like you had to earn it at the school you were coming from. We were very lucky. We got the right kids. Um, they were not only humbled, uh, you know, at the Division One level, but they were extremely grateful to have an opportunity at another place. Um, and that was here at Seat Hill. Uh, we had another fantastic kid transfer in from the Ivy League. Um, and consequently, without saying a name, he was the PSAC Player of the Year. Um, so he was a great pickup for us. Um, and, and two of the kids that I mentioned that are now playing at uh, Division One schools as grad transfers, they were both Division One transfers in here. So I feel like, well, I don't feel like it, but the proof is kind of in the numbers. We were able to revitalize those kids' careers. They had the talent to be at Division One schools out of high school. Um, it just wasn't the right situation for them. Um, and, and here at Seton Hill, perhaps maybe they got a little bit more individual attention. Uh, maybe they got the confidence boost that they needed. Um, maybe they were competing at the right level for them at that time in their career. But uh, all of the Division One transfers that we have brought in in the last couple of years have absolutely flourished. Um, so I, I think, you know, maybe it's a cultural change. Just being at a smaller school, they, they have a little bit more confidence. But it's worked out great for us. Um, some people might think that that's our niche now, and, and I'll tell you, it is It is not. Again, like, these kids have to be the right fit for us. A lot of the Division One kickbacks that we do get here at Seton Hill are kids that we recruited out of high school. Um, so there was an existing relationship uh, with them. We left the door open when they chose to go to another school, and uh, fortunately some of those kids have, have come back here and had great careers for us. I've got to ask a little bit about the coaching and development side of things. It's something that you mentioned, and it's something that I want to talk about. Um, and regardless of uh, take other levels out of the, you know, out of the conversation altogether. Your experience, uh, the, the PSAC, the Pennsylvania Division II conference, is one of the best Division II conferences in the country. And, and let's just go even, even, um, you know, conference wide. How good do you think development is at the Division II level? And, I, again, just kind of sticking to, you know, the Division II experience. Do you find you have some Division I experience? You have experience at Division Three, obviously at NAIA as a head coach there. What What is the – what is the uh, just kind of across the board, the uh, the development side of things look like at Division II um, and, and the experience that guys have? They, they come in looking like something and they go out looking like something else. What is that – what does the development piece look like from your experience at the Division Two level that you're familiar with? Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, I think there's a wide range – when it comes to development at the Division II level, and I think that that wide range uh, is, is pretty dependent upon resources. So what I mean by that, you know, you mentioned the PSAC, you know, 17 teams in our league. Um, I think the talent in our league at the Division II level, but in particular in the PSAC, is extremely high. You do get a lot of Division I transfers coming into the PSAC. Um, but I also think uh, there's some schools in the PSAC that 
steal some Division One recruits out of high school. There's some kids that are playing in the PSAC that without a doubt uh, could have been playing, you know, at a higher level out of high school. So the talent overall in our league is extremely high. Um, I mean, you've lived in the scouting world a little bit. If you speak to some of the uh, some of the regional scouts, they will tell you that the PSAC is as good uh, a conference as any mid-major in this region. Um, and, and I think when you look at the number of drafts that have come out of our league in the last 10 years, <laughs> it, it, it'll tell that story uh, in numbers. But when it comes to development, I, again, I, I think every team in our league gets some talented players, but there's some teams uh, in, in the PSAC and in Division Two that develop their players at a little bit better rate or faster pace than others. A lot of that has to do with whether or not those teams have invested in staffing. You know, there's some teams in our league that have, you know, three or four coaches on campus every day, uh, two or three of them full-time. And then there's some other teams in our league that have one full-time head coach and a volunteer or grad assistant. So it makes it hard for those teams to really develop their players at the same rate uh, as another institution that has a full staff. Um, and then, you know, you find a wide range of funding. You know, some teams just don't have the money to invest in, you know, technology, hit tracks, rap soto, video, those types of things. Um, other teams do. You know, maybe, maybe other teams have a very strong alumni base that they're able to raise funds. Um, I, I think another part of development, too, and, and more so the Division II experience is the schedule that you play. And, again, when you look at teams in the PSAC, there's a very – wide variety of good schedules versus maybe not so challenging schedules. Um, that's one thing we've been committed to for as long as I've been here is playing the toughest schedule that we can. Uh, this year, we're going to take another full week trip down to Florida and we're playing at the university of Tampa and at Florida Southern back to back. Um, we don't have to do that. Uh, and that's taken a big risk to go down there and get our butts kicked early in the season. But that's part of our experience. You know, um, those are without a doubt division one caliber programs, Tampa and Florida Southern. So um, we want to play the best. We want to expose our guys to the highest level of division two baseball. And that's the way to do it. So um, fortunately we, we put a lot of time and effort into raising money um, to take those trips, to play the best teams, to give our kids the best experience. So, um, uh, you know, when you look at, some of the talent that's coming out of the Division Two level, I mean, I think, you know, there, there's a handful of PSAC guys that are playing in the big leagues right now. Um, and that's because I think they found themselves in programs where coaches were fully committed to developing uh, them as people and as players. And that's pretty exciting for our league. One last thing I want to ask you here, Coach Maz, before we run out of time, we're almost out of time, is about the Division Two facilities. I think that's another thing that uh, recruits care about a lot. And, and some sometimes I think it's it's too much so, but other times, you know, you want to know that you're going to play at a place where the playing surfaces are, are good, where you have the facilities to be able to get better, including a weight room. And and if you're a hitter, you know, you, you want a place that has the cages that you need to be able to get in the reps that you want. And and uh, and, you know, maybe maybe a machine that you can go hit off of or, or whatever. Um, and I know I'm sure there's a, a wide variety here, too. But can you kind of give us just a a quick idea of what division two facilities have looked like that you've been to, including your own other schools in uh, the conference schools you've traveled to on the road, just to give people that maybe don't have uh, really any idea what they'd be looking at facility wise. If they went to visit a handful of division two schools. Well, I'm sitting in our press box as we speak right now, Jeff. 
Um, we have an absolutely just gorgeous facility. It's uh, it's fantastic functionally. It allows us to do so many things from a practice and competition standpoint. Um, but of course, I'm, I have a biased opinion, and I think we have the most picturesque, fan-friendly ballpark in, in the entire region. Um, so we're very fortunate here at Seton Hill to have a full turf field. Um, probably five years ago, out of the 17 teams in the PSAC, three of them had turf. Uh, I think that number is up to about 11 or 12 now. Um, seven out of the eight teams in the PSAC West have turf. So it's, uh, as you see in Division One at the highest level, it's an, an arms race, right, to see who can build the biggest and best facility. Uh, and I think you see Division Two kind of taking that step as well. Um, everybody's going to turf now for baseball, and it's allowing, uh, obviously, more games to be played, but um, just better development to happen on the field for all the teams. So um, I, I think Division Two in general is a little bit behind Division One in terms of indoor facility development, but when it comes to outdoor baseball fields, um, it, it's been exciting to see a lot of teams in the North, and particularly in the PSAC, really invest in the turf, um, and, and it's just helping our game tremendously. So um, it's a little bit different down South, I think. Um, you know, I think the Southern schools in Division Two have been well ahead of the Northern schools, not just in terms of, uh, you know, having good weather and, and playing a lot more, but in terms of facilities. When you go down in the Peach Belt, the Sunshine State Conference, um, there's pretty pretty outstanding facilities down there, um, both, you know, for baseball and football. And even, you know, you think about some basketball arenas, IUP and, and Cal, um, it's incredible 6,000 seed arenas that are better than some mid major division one. So, uh, you know, division two is, is just, you, you, you see uh continual, continual investment in facilities, both indoor and outdoor. And it's been doing some great things for the sport of baseball. I think what you said about the turf fields, it, it's a, it's a big deal, especially if you carry 50 guys, you know, natural surfaces are great, but when you have, you know, bigger rosters, which a lot of even, I mean, even Division One schools are at this point are bringing in forty and forty-five guys sometimes, and the and the surfaces just get torn up. So having turf, in addition to being able to play more games in the spring when the weather's, you know, going to be hit or miss, um, you know, you get a little break from the rain for three hours and you can play a game. Uh, but also, obviously, in the development part, like you mentioned, it just allows you to do whatever you need to without tearing up the field. Uh, without uh, you know worrying about what the, what it's going to look like in the spring or or just you know losing grass because of what you're doing, so uh, those are all really important points. This is again Mark Marizaldi, everybody. He's the head coach at Seton Hill, uh, an incredibly successful Division II program in Pennsylvania. Uh, we've been talking about the Division II experience, and I hope you got a pretty good feel for what uh, a good quality, high quality Division II program. Uh, what that experience can be like for a player. And, and there were some things we didn't get to cover here. Maybe this is going to be part one of, of a two-part series, even potentially. I'm sure there were some things that, that you hoped we get into that we didn't, but um, but we, we do need to cut it off at this point. But Coach Maz, I appreciate you being here and, and sharing everything you did and just taking time out of your day. I know you guys have uh, individual practice coming up after this, but taking time out of your morning to share uh, all this information with Figured Out Baseball subscribers is really, really valuable. So we thank you for your time. Jeff, it was absolutely my pleasure. Let's make this a five-part series. How about that? <laughs> we could do it, man, as many times as you want to come on. As many times as I can get you away from, from the uh, for the rest of the guys. Thanks, Coach Maz, and best of luck to you guys. Thank you, Jeff.